All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We've got recurring guest. We've got Mike Yam, NFL Network anchor. Mike, is everything going for you? Uh, doing well, man. Staying healthy. That's, uh, I think, all we can ask for right now. And can't wait for an upcoming season where I would assume we're back to normal. We got fans, a crazy amount of fans uh, inside those stadiums. And we're just, it, we're, we're back at a time that I think we all just miss dearly. Yeah, no, I can't. Like, I, Sundays aren't the same. It's only been a week. Like, I don't know. Right. What, I don't know what I'm. Know. Yeah, now we, we do have some breaking news today. Biggest storyline yeah. of a while. Ricardo Allen was released by. The, no, that's no. Um, Carson Wentz was traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a conditional second and third. Yeah. Apparently, not many other teams uh, put out offers. What were your thoughts on that whole uh, situation? And, uh, yeah, I mean, to your point, it, it's, you know, a story that we've been sort of tracking. We knew things would get a little crazy, um, you know, this kind of like this, this off season, you know, what, what about two weeks, probably just a little more than two weeks ago, you had the, the golf and the Stafford, uh, Matthew Stafford trade. So you just assumed that we were kind of waiting on when this was going to happen. In fact, we almost thought like it was going to happen a couple of weeks ago and it didn't. Um, and then out of the blue, like you said, it's just sort of, it's out there. And I think it's a win-win in a lot of ways for both of these franchises, you know, and, and it's a win. I think for Carson Wentz, like if you said to me, hey, pick the team that he would fit in best with, I think there's a lot of obvious reasons why the Colts are that team. When you talk about familiarity with this coaching staff, obviously his head coach, Frank Wright, and you think about the seasons that he had when he was his offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, that was when Carson was was at his peak. He's got an offensive line that's tremendous. I, I was freelancing uh, Zach during the uh, football season with Intel Sports, and two of the teams that we had pretty consistently were Tampa Bay and Indianapolis. So I got an up-close and personal look at that Colts team every single week, and that offensive line is, is terrific, and that was one of the issues that I think Carson had in Philadelphia. Now he slides in where he's got some weapons. He's got a running a game uh, that I think really surged in a big way in the second half of the season. Um, so across the board, win for him I think a win for this Colts organization Philly doesn't necessarily get the amount of first round picks that they had initially uh, had asked for and I know right now on paper it's conditional uh, first round pick but if there's some basic threshold that Carson meets I think it's like you know 75 percent of of the games he's got to play or something along those lines you know that'll turn into a first round pick so all indications are Philly at least gets potentially the first rounder that they were looking for and and sort of the circus around this team you know, got a new coaching staff in philadelphia they get to get a fresh start don't have to worry about the drama associated with this so you know in sports it's not typical we say both sides or three sides win but you know in this situation i think both teams and wentz all winners here do you think sudfeld's ready to lead the eagles uh, you know, I, I, yeah, you know, I think I might pause on something like that, but you know, I mean, it's, it's wild too, right? Like even think about it from you, know, Zach, like a, like a Philadelphia perspective, you know, I, I think about, and I've thought a lot about this. I think I've had a more, me and everyone else, more free time than, than we would like, um, you know, thinking about life and some other things. I try to focus my attention on football. You know, one of the note on this is this idea and it's not tangible, right? Like you can't see something on the field you know, with Carson Wentz, besides maybe like the 15 interceptions in, in 12 games and say, hey, like, that's obvious. Like, those are things that that were not good. But what's it like to play in a city like Philadelphia? Now, I grew up in the Northeast, you know, just outside of, of New York City and, and grew up a Giants fan. So, you, you know, I, I understand like those markets are a little bit different. You know, he's going to get inserted back into an Indianapolis 
uh, sports town that A, is pretty forgiving and B, pretty damn supportive. So to me, you know, just another wrinkle here when you try to dissect what, what's happening right now with, uh, with this trade. Yeah, and he reconnects with Trey Burton. So well, yeah, yeah. So, and then so do you do you expect to see Deshaun Watson moved anytime soon? No, no, no. I you know I know that that there's been a lot of hype and a lot of speculation about that. I I don't see. I just look if I'm Houston, I I get it. Um, you know, like this is a guy that's not happy that wants to move on. But at the same time, like, what are you going to get for him? You know, like in, I said this before, right? Like in the one deal, it seems like everyone wins. I got to be honest with you. Like, I don't know if there's a situation where Houston wins in, in any regard when you go and trade a quarterback, like, like Deshaun Watson, I, I legitimately, I think he's top five guy. He's not even close to, you know, those peak years. Like you're basically saying like, Hey, I can get a franchise quarterback for the next 10 plus years on my roster who's still playing at a ridiculously high level with more upside still in his game. I mean, he was a one-man wrecking crew even last season. And I know that they missed the postseason, but how many times have we watched these games where Houston's knocking on the door and they're only competitive because of Deshaun Watson? So I don't know, you know, for Nick Casario who takes over, you know, the GM responsibilities there, like I, I sit back and I say like, how how am I supposed to rebuild? You know, like, sure. Do you get a bunch of kicks for Deshaun Watson? Yeah, absolutely. But like, those aren't guarantees, right? I mean, like there's no guarantee that any, any of these picks or any of these guys, and look, I think it's a talented draft class that's coming in, but um, I, I just don't know. I think there's too much money that they gave him up front. And I do think that there's an expectation level, like, dude, you're going to have to kind of suck it up and, and make this work. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that take, but if you're asking me if Houston trades them, I, I just, I don't think that happens. I think week one, Deshaun Watson's still going to be their quarterback. You think he'd hold out? I don't know. You know, I, I, I've been around some people that know Deshaun pretty well, especially when, you know, he was in school and college that is, and, and uh, you know, was around the elite 11 program. And, and one of my good friends is, is, you know, kind of ingrained in that. And I don't think Deshaun's got that in him, you know, and look, fast forward, like now he's been a few years as a pro, I get it. There's agents that are involved in that situation. And, um, you know, Deshaun is, Deshaun's a really high level class act so and it's not to say that you're not classy if you're holding out I just I look at him as sort of like the face of that franchise a leader in that locker room and I don't even think the players would be all that upset you know I think most of those guys kind of support each other um, you know on decisions like that and you got to take care of your business the way that you do but I, I just there's something in me Zach it absolutely could happen if you said to me like do I think he holds out I, I just I don't know if I see that happening they still have Tom Savage. They could use him. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, I think you know, kind of mending fences and and uh, you know, trying to figure that out. Like there is there is a, a lot to be said for communication. And you know, we've seen other players, former players, talk about their their stay um, in Houston and and not always be thrilled with the direction of that franchise. Um, you know, here's the other thing, man. Like Deshaun just signed like a pretty massive contract, like not too long ago. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for, uh, you know, a level of consistency, comfort, and being happy where you are. Um, I get it. The direction of the franchise is not where he wants it to go. Um, I do think that is a tough pill to swallow, though, 
for an organization to say, dude, like we just paid you a ton of guaranteed money. You're, you're pretty new into this contract. Like that's not what that, that's not what the game plan is. And I think that's, that's that Delta. And that's what makes, you know, what's going to happen and a really tough decision for the Texans right now in, in trying to decide how they want to handle this. And then so, so uh, looking at free agency, because we're, I think we're less than a month away from the start of the new league year. Are there any big names that you're expecting that are unrestricted that you think might be jumping ship from their current uh, situation? You know, it's a great call. I think, you know, across the board, um, you know, I was just looking at, you know, some wide receivers that are that are out there and available. And, and obviously on the defensive side, people are going to be talking about J.J. Watt because we were just talking about Houston. That certainly comes to mind. And the options that he's going to have now as a guy that maybe wants to play with his family up in, up in Pittsburgh, which would be kind of cool. And people have thrown out Tennessee. People have said even Tampa Bay. Cleveland's come up. Like, I, I think that's just kind of cool and intriguing because I think there's still, you know, plenty left in the tank for a guy like J.J. Watt. But, you know, as far as guys that, you know, we could see high-level players, you know, look at different teams, you know, at the wide receiver spot, I, I immediately think, and I made reference to spending time watching a lot of Indianapolis and Tampa Bay, but, you know, how about a guy like Chris Godwin, who was terrific, um, you know, this past season, really came on strong, and that for the big play, the confidence that Tom Brady had in him. Now, I don't know if he necessarily leaves, but I do think that's, you know, he's a gem that's potentially out there. Um, speaking of Indianapolis, like if we've seen T.Y. Hilton, which would be weird to me if T.Y. is not in that uniform, I still think he's there. What's that? He's been there. For I know. I, seriously. You know, it's kind of crazy, Zach. Like um, I was doing a, a, you know, a talk a while back with some, some college students on, you know, broadcasting. And it was something that I did um, and still continue to do. But I used to do a ton of it when at my previous employer, like, you know, I'd be on a lot of college campuses and, and talk to a lot of the students there. So I would show them a reel and I had my old ESPN reel and I was, it was right before T.Y. Hilton had gotten drafted. And I'm asking a question about T.Y. And it like strikes me. It's like, it, it feels like, you know, 30 years ago that I had worked at ESPN and, and we're having those conversations. But to your point, he's been a staple in that lineup. I don't think he leaves, um, but just another guy that, you know, has got potentially some options there. And then Juju certainly comes to mind. Um, you know, I think it has been abundantly clear. Zach, if I'm not mistaken, I think we might have even talked about Juju last time I came on with you. Awesome. And he, I think it's abundantly clear how much damage that this guy can do when he is the number two. Like, I think he is a ridiculously high level number two guy, um, you know, when, when, and creates a ton of mismatch problems. And when we saw it when he was at USC, we've even seen it, you know, with his ability in the NFL, with his size and strength and speed. Um, but he does flourish as a number two. And I, I think there's going to be some options for him. So, you know, it's kind of the cool thing is, you know, the league tries to figure out like the salary cap situation and like things that need to uh, get figured out and, and what money teams will go and have. Like, there's a world where you could see, you know, some more maybe one year deals, um, you know, as, as more of like a show it to me, prove it, and then we'll then we'll talk um, and, and try to make some cash on the back end. So I think it's it's a really intriguing time for the league. And then, so speaking of your previous employer, um, one of the quarterbacks I know you spent some time with and a lot of time covering added a remarkable season at Justin Herbert. Did you see this coming or? Oh, yeah, I mean, look, Justin was was terrific in college. And I think what's really interesting about it is one, this is a guy that decided to go back for another year, right? Like there was talk about him two years ago as a guy that could have come out in the draft. And 
that's not an easy decision for a lot of quarterbacks. And I think more times than not, most guys tend to leave early and try to make that cash. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I see the, you know, you saw the improvement at, at Oregon from, you know, two years ago to the last season, or I should say through, I guess, three seasons ago. And then his last season in Eugene, you know, there's all the accolades that come with winning, right? Like the turnaround, multiple coaches, winning a Rose Bowl, another, you know, Pac-12, you know, championship, like that's really cool. But his development as a player was also pretty remarkable. If you're asking me, did I see him having this level of success this quickly? The answer is hell no. Did I think he was going to be a really good, talented starting quarterback in the NFL for a long period of time that was going to be the face of that franchise eventually? Yes, I just didn't see it happening in his rookie season. And I also think it's a testament to, this ability like where the stage is not too big for him like Justin is not he's not like this crazy extrovert who is this rah rah you know uh god I, I you know I, I mean pick the quarterback that's out there that's just kind of jumping up on you know a Baker Mayfield type right like who's just kind of like you know revving everyone up that's not Justin's personality and yet when he was in Eugene and he spoke the guys listen and it, it didn't happen a lot in fact a funny story was in his early days at uh, at Oregon and Eugene, Mark Helfrich was his head coach. And Mark during the practices would say, you have to say something after every single play to someone on the team. I mean, that's kind of what it was. But I also look at not only the, the mental maturity and his growth at, over time in Eugene, but then take it a step further in his physical development. I remember seeing him, you know, early on, like as a sophomore, and, and certainly the size was there. But when he starts to fill out and you look at his hands and you shake his hand and it's like engulfing, you know, basically my entire arm, which is not saying much at five, eight, above 55. But the point is, like, there was these physical tools that were out there, the haymakers that he throws pretty consistently where there's a trust in those wide receivers. I, it's been remarkable watching him and, and thrilled for his success with that organization. Do you think he had anything to do with that hit on Tyrod's punctured lung? Hell no. Hell no. Because I don't think... You know, if you said to him, like, hey, you get to start, but you find out five minutes before, you know, kickoff, I, I mean, that's not an easy situation, even thrives in, 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 in those circumstances. So kudos to him, man. Um, and, and I think if anyone, and, and I get it, like most people don't know him, and I, and I don't know him all that well, just from, you know, a handful of interviews and some interaction, you know, off the field, a really, really, I was going to say sweet kid, which is probably not the best way to, to classify a football player, but he's a really, he's a humble kid. He's a bright guy. Um, and he is, he's, I, I'm thrilled for his success. My, my hot take about that situation that I completely made up and I have no reason to believe it whatsoever is that he, you could see a little bit during the season, he had a little bit of a, like, like kind of like pimples breaking out on his face. And my hot take was that Acuvue had been trying to get him and Acuvue paid the team doctor to get him in the game. And, and then after the season, he's going to have billboards put up in LA. No claim. It, I don't know if it's, tr I, I don't think it's true, but I don't know. And then, so uh, to, to, about a, we're about a little, little, uh, but two months away from the draft. Is anybody yeah. catching your attention? Like outside of like the Trevor Lawrence's and the Zach Wilson's anybody that you're excited to see at the next level. Yeah, actually a few guys uh, for sure. And look, I mean, you're talking, you just mentioned a couple high level guys and, and I know you're not necessarily asking for, for those types of players, but I'll throw two names your way. And it's, it has less to do with, I think the physical gifts that one of these players has, but I think there is such this clear cut perception of Trevor Lawrence being one, you know, Justin Fields, man, like there were times on the football field where you're like, dude, this guy is ridiculous. And then other times where you say like, Hey, 
I get like the ceiling's pretty high. Where's the floor? And I think that's one of the great things about Trevor Lawrence. Like we think high ceiling, but we also don't think about a low floor. Um, and I think there are some games that we saw from fields where you said, oh, geez, like this dude can really play. I just want to see what he is as an NFL quarterback. That has nothing to do with where he's going to get picked or where, what I think he's going to be. I just think I can't wait to see him in an NFL uniform. And then the other thing is like some of these players who opted out, you know, and I think, you know, as I'm watching, you know, MLB Network or, you know, all these sports that have had to deal, you know, the NFL didn't miss one game because of COVID. So it's a testament to the league. It's a testament to the organizations and the players that took it seriously, you know, and a lot of other leagues have had to alter things, you know, whether it's stop downs in college athletics and shortened seasons, like we've seen in other sports, you know, what are those long-term ramifications? And I think for the college football side of things, as you saw players opt out, you know, whether it was Jamar Chase, right? Like we're talking about him, he's probably the first wide receiver taken off the board. And yet Devontae Smith's a guy that people talk about, uh, Waddle his teammate, another player that everyone seems to, to focus in on. Like you almost forget, it's like out of sight, out of mind. And I want to know, what is that gap of not playing competitive college football? What does that mean for you in year number one? How does that change your development? Um, so Chase certainly comes to mind. And then the guy that I think is maybe, you know, the best, um, you know, offensive lineman in, in the draft, who I you know, was talking about Justin Herbert, but Panay Sewell, who also opted out, um, you know, as weird as it sounds, and maybe it was a West Coast thing, because that, you know, I'm still in the, uh, in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, um, you know, and obviously I still am associated with the Pac-12 just through Sirius XM. So like I keep tabs clearly, and I, I love the league, I keep tabs on a lot of these players, but um, I don't know if it was a West Coast thing before the season started, but there was talk about Panay Sewell being, you know, maybe the most important player on any football team in the nation, um, you know, and then he decides to opt out and there was, you know, some underlying, I don't think it would have happened, but like, hey, like where could he finish in a Heisman vote? I mean, he is that talented. And, you know, speaking of young quarterbacks, like, you know, Cincinnati, do they think about him? You know, I think about what Joe Burrow was able to do in his rookie season. So, um, you know, Sewell would look good, uh, you know, kind of protecting his blind side, especially a guy coming off of an injury. So a couple of those names. And I think for me, more importantly, the guys that decided not to uh, participate in last season and opt out because of COVID to get ready for the draft. What happened? Where do they where do they land in the draft? is one and then two what are they in year number one as rookies on Sundays I might have been making this up but did I see a picture of Panay Sewell in the last week hanging out with Dennis Rodman did you hear this did you see this you know I did not see that um, that would be one of the more unique yeah. things I've heard of yeah yeah I I, I could have swore like I can't find it but I, I could have sworn he was hanging out with somebody i'm like that's an interesting friendship but that it's a weird duo like i would feel like if you said to me uh rodman was up in you know pullman watching his son play basketball under kyle smith at washington state i'd be like oh okay like that's not surprising the Panay sewell yeah. dennis rodman friendship um yeah, my, you know, but like dennis knows like, like dictators in, know. in communist yeah. countries so yeah, like yeah you know, I'm like i'm like this seems like not probably the best draft advisor to be going for penny so that's interesting and then do you do you have any bold predictions for the offseason for the draft that you think might come true oh god um i didn't even think of that uh let's see like off the top of my head like draft wise i i don't know if there's going to be any like we, we, like I say we, right? Like the league has navigated the COVID draft. Like we've seen that happen. And 
you know, the, the, the lack of those combine experiences, like that's, that's not nothing new. So I think teams, you know, kind of figured it out. And I think they thrived, to be honest with you last season, I think, you know, you sort of have to change your evaluation of players and how, I shouldn't say you change the evaluation, you change maybe the process in evaluating players. It is very different boots on the ground for scouts when they're on these campuses. I've been at plenty of college colleges uh you know over the last couple of years and you know the scouts are there like how do they get the intel how do they get the real story behind some of these players what are sort of these intangible things that are not numbers based that are not what you see on the film um that's out there you know i'll give you an example like kevin king who's had a pretty good career um you know so far he played at washington you know like the one thing for me is like how much is kevin king you know, a, a team guy. Like I remember being up in Seattle, Washington, when Chris Peterson was there watching practice. And, you know, Kevin King would be out there working with wide receivers after practice for an extended period of time to get those guys better. So it wasn't a surprise, you know, to see Kevin, obviously, who was talented on the field, but like, you're not there. You don't see those types of things. Um, that's not necessarily a bold prediction that you're looking for. Um, you know, I, I, God, uh, I'm trying to think of like the, you know, their blockbuster trade that could go down and, and I, I can't give you something uh, concrete, but I am looking forward to, you know, this off season with the potential moves because it feels like almost like a soap opera that the NBA has been with like kind of these super teams and all this other stuff and like what happens, you know, like is, is Ben Roethlisberger going to be the quarterback for the Steelers this upcoming season? Like, you know, like I still am surprised that 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 organization hasn't more leaned that way for a guy that's making 19 million, which is, you know, not for nothing, man. It's kind of like middle of the pack in the NFL, like not asking for a raise face of a franchise. For, but the point is, like, I don't know. I don't know if he's even going to be there with that football team. So or maybe that's the bold, bold prediction, which doesn't feel all that bold. So it's kind of a weak actual bold prediction, but you're going to have to live with it. <laughs> Do you see Sam Darnold on the move? I hope not. I hope not. Really? Um, yeah, you know, it's another guy that I saw a ton of um, when he was at USC. I, here, here's my thing on it. Hey, I, I think Sam Darnold's like, what, 23, if I'm not mistaken? Like, he's running for his life. I think he's a super talented quarterback. Like, what do you do if you're, if you're the Jets? Like if you go and draft another quarterback this year in the first round, how is he going to be better than Sam Darnold? I, I don't know the answer to it. What issues have you alleviated? Like, is it Sam Darnold's fault that you haven't won football game? Like, I don't look at him and say, Hey, he's the culprit. Now, do I think there's some things that Sam Darnold could be doing better on the football field? No doubt. He would tell you that he has said that um, numerous times, but I do think you're starting from scratch when you go and draft a quarterback. Like I would rather them, trade down accumulate picks and fill a lot of holes that need to be filled and to me it also starts with some weapons on the outside for Darnold um you know not super impressed by what you saw from um, that wide receiving core for the Jets I mean this is a really good draft class when it comes to wide receiver again like last year was I think about some of the players that were taken in later rounds oh my god like some real uh high level producers at that position I think it's the same thing this year for the draft so to me, I would like the Jets to hold on to Sam Darnold, trade out of that pick, accumulate more picks, and and try to fill some of these holes and see what you got there um, with Sam. And by the way, like there's still another year for him before you have to pay him. So you do add and you fill some holes, and then you could figure out like 
yo, like this is not working, then you can move on. To me, I, I, I hope that the Jets uh, give him another chance and he is not, not on the move. Because if, if he is on the move, Washington better be calling because I don't know what the yeah. hell they're planning on doing next. Year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Washington, though, they're, they're start, speaking of like, you know, the draft, like there's talk about, you know, in that first round, what are they picking? Like 17? I got 19. So, um, you know, Washington might be looking at like a Mac Jones, for example. You know, like I know I've seen some mock drafts with, with him there. And um, like I could see your face. And I, you know, it's weird about that because you're kind of like, eh, not crazy about it. What's wild to me is, his perception as a college quarterback, right? Like, I think you can make an argument in a lot of ways, like on the football field, like Tua, everyone loved him, right? Like, is there a dramatic difference? Like, I think the mobility for, for Mac isn't quite what, what it was for Tua, um, you know, but like Mac's not making mistakes out on the football field. So I do think there's something to be said. I, I think actually Jones would be, um, I would not be shocked if the Washington football team decides to go with a guy like that they have a history of drafting alabama players there's been been that over the last couple of years or so so just something to, to to keep in mind you're right like i'd be curious to see where they go yeah no because to me like i was very hyped about Tua's kind of sure. underwhelming his first season but to me the, the, the best the the last great alabama quarterback in the nfl was joe namath so so we'll, we'll see but yeah, I, they're, look they're there's hype around those guys because in a lot of ways, they are an extension of the NFL in college. Uh, you're right about sort of that high level success at that position for what it's worth. And I know like the patience level in pro sports is like zero. Um, you're expected no matter what your age is. And, and I'd, I'm even seeing it at the college level too. Like, you know, some guys can do it and they can do it quick and they are blessed with that ability. And other guys, like there is a, a learning curve for some players and it takes a little bit of time to mature into that role. I am not ready to, to write off a guy like, like Tua at this point. Um, you know, I just, first year quarterbacks, man, like you just, sometimes you just got to be patient and it's got to be the right fit and they got to have those weapons and hopefully they go and, and they draft a, you know, a high level receiver on the outside for Tua. No, yeah. But with Mac Jones going from like two of the best receivers in the country and one of the best overall put together. And you, if you, for him no in Washington, I got a trivia question for you. I saw it the other day. I couldn't believe it. Do you know how many receiving, receiving yards, Washington, how many receptions Washington got from the tight end position last year outside of Logan Thomas? I would imagine it is an abysmally low number. 10. <laughs> Jesus. Um, from three different receivers. So, wow. Yeah. Lots of, they need to upgrade the tight end position soon. So yeah, we'll yeah. see. We'll see. But that, that's what other questions I really have for you. How can people follow you on social media? Keep up with all Yeah, stuff? for sure, man. Uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, both the same handle at Mike underscore Yam on Facebook. Um, you know, happy to kind of interact with whoever and, and uh, love going back and forth with, with folks out there. And um, it's been a smorgasbord of stories. I know we covered a bunch of them in the NFL and there's still more to come. So um, always good to be with you, man. I'm glad you're staying healthy and, and hopefully we get to do this again real soon.